Let's get ready to rumble on the Zero Hour Podcast. By now, you know I am the co-host. What's my name? Mark Fiertz. And we got to my right. Christine Chapman, your host. Oh, can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> and on the phone, dialing in from, uh, where are you, Florida? Yes. I am in Florida. You yes. are in Florida. Please meet the Honorable Mills Bender. Say hello, Mills. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. What, what, what? You know it. All right. Guess who's had a dose of caffeine like Mark moments is, ago? Mark has been drinking a lot of caffeine. Well, I, I started the day off a little I was going to say, Christine, you were the one who's just, you know, you got to tone it down a bit. I... <laughs> she's, a, she's a geyser. <laughs> I'm just... Going and going. So, Christine, do you want to give the uh, I do, the I do. Up? I am so, so thrilled to have Mills on our show with us. Um, Mills and I met because I um, I started a nonprofit a couple of years back, and I was introduced with um, to Mills because Mills had developed a whole program and and many programs um, that were about financial literacy. And when I launched the College Access Project, um, which is a nonprofit that is really focused on helping students of all income levels come together and learn about the college process, including the opportunity for scholarships to be given to students who have financial need, one of the other pieces that I thought was really, really important for our student body um, and the community as a whole, whether you were in need of financial aid or not, was to approach college and beyond with uh, an understanding of what financial literacy is, because I myself have struggled my whole life, as I know many have, because we didn't necessarily um, learn a whole lot about financial literacy. And in many cases, I feel often as if I am... Financially illiterate, like most of yeah, us? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask Mills this question. Mills, what percentage of the U.S. population, right, I'm just going to throw it out there, is financially illiterate? I couldn't give you that percentage off the top of my head. 10%? But I know it's a 5%? Lot. It's a lot, right? It's, it's a lot. And it's not just it's not just left for those that are in poverty or those that are under a certain age. I mean, I talk and work with people who are 45 years old making millions of dollars in their business but have no idea what to do with their money. So, so Mills, if we were to rephrase that question to, do you have a sense of what percentage of the American population is living beyond their means? Is there a number for that? So I read a, a statistic a while ago. Um, I think CNBC was the one who had put it out, and it was something crazy, like 70% of those who make over six figures are living paycheck to paycheck. Wow. Whoa. So, wow. Wait, wait, so uh, don't don't quote me on no, that. No, 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 but it's just fascinating. It was shocking to me. So, M Mills, uh, and we're going to introduce what it is you do, but this this is this is the big lead up. Mills, so if you're earning – what – if you're earning, let's just keep numbers easy. If you're if you're earning a hundred grand a year, if you're earning six figures, seventy percent of the people are living beyond their means. What what does that mean? Does that mean they're spending more than they earn? 
Is that what that means? Most of the time. Yes. Most of the time. What I find when it comes to living paycheck to paycheck, with most of my clients and most of the people that I speak to, it's not a make enough money problem. It's a spend too much money problem. And as people make more money, because they don't have the solid good habits around managing what they do have, as they make more, it just amplifies those bad habits. I so mean, even it, if they make more, it's not going to solve the problem. I mean, is it, is it, hey, dude, dudette, whomever, don't buy the Maserati? Or is it, you know, learn how to invest in the stock market or learn how to invest in general? Is that the root? Is it, are they buying or, or is it shop at one, at one grocery store as opposed to another? I mean, or is it all of the above? It's a lot of different things. And what I will say is that with most of the people I work with, it's dining out. It's so easy really? to swipe your card and not really pay Guilty. attention. And before you realize it, you spent two thousand dollars that month, On and food. you have nothing left to save. Uh, the average car loan right now is, I think, seven hundred something dollars, which wow. is bananas. <laughs> that's that's absolutely insane to me. Uh, and a lot of people aren't. They're not okay with buying the used car. They're not okay with saying, no, I'm not going to go out to eat this evening because it's not in my budget. It come you to know, my they're, house. they're trying to live up to this. They're, they're trying to keep up with the Jones. Yeah, yeah. So is that, is that, all right, I'm totally getting off topic here, but it's so interesting. Is that social media influenced, keeping up with the Joneses? Well, like- it's everything influenced. I think it's just community influenced because when you live in – if you live in a town like – I was living in a town where, like, I would say it seems anyway that at least beyond 50 percent of the population is driving, you know, a very fancy European, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow – uh, my kid is thankful to have a sort of um, <clears throat> a family adopted family member uh, give her a car for the summer that doesn't have air conditioning that that works. And, you know, the windows don't 100 percent work, but she's so damn grateful just to have wheels. Right. Sounds like my car. So there's like there's. I don't know. And, and and I think we've we've seen it just in, in having some conversations with you, Mills, where you're holding your boy and we talk about what you're going to give him as a toy. And you say, hey, here's the water bottle that he's obsessed with. Or the whisk. Right? Or the whisk. <laughs> the whisk. Yes. The whisk. Yep. Yes, I mean, what a, what a, listen, what a great gift. Can someone give me a whisk? Please. No, but 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 is he going to remember the? Is he going to remember the whatever is in vogue for a baby no. who is under a year old? No, and and here's the thing, you know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses because number one, money is taboo to talk about, so right. people aren't going to actually talk about their financials, and if they do, they're only going to talk about the highlights. God forbid there's something going wrong of and we course. want to talk about it. Yeah. And secondly, you know, just because you see people spending money doesn't mean they have money. I can't tell you how many financial planners and advisors I've worked with and spoken to because they were struggling financially. Wow. It, really? It doesn't. Yes. Yes. Because the the topics that I teach are not, they're not based in the sexy parts of money. Budgeting, money management, cash flow management, that's not sexy. 
but the results are. Hell yeah. You can't you can't invest if you have no cash flow to invest. Right. Right. Okay, so can we can yeah, we get go. to like can we go, get to it. now what you do, <laughs> do right? It. Because I met you because you had a whole sort of library of different courses mm-hmm. around teaching people about money managing your money. Like from from you know, nuts and bolts to sort of much more sophisticated loans and student loans and what it means to invest and mortgages and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you have since or or simultaneously worked as a consultant. So you have sort of you teach, you mm-hmm. do alongside, I believe you said, and you do four. So there are three different sort of aspects and models to your business. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to those three before wait, we wait. get to your zero hour? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, before, sorry. Before we sp- yeah, wait, wait, wait. Mark sorry. Is, I'm sorry. I'm always jumping and Mark is always having to pull me back. I need to unpack. I just yes, need to unpack yes. one thing. So before we go into the three models, we should probably tell everyone what the business is, right? Well, we sort of have financial well, literacy. Yes, but what's the catchy name? Mills Knows Bills. What up, Mills Knows Bills? <laughs> Woo! And Mills yes, does know bills. Yes. yes MillsKnowsBills.com, Insta, LinkedIn. Check her out. All right. Now go about the three models. Thank you. So um, really, but before I, I dive into the three models, Christine, you touched upon this where I worked on two different aspects of my business simultaneously. Yes. There's, you know, really my way that I make money and my give back mission. My give back mission is how you and I connected. Yes. That's where whenever someone joins me in my one of my paid models, I they're sponsoring and I donate my curriculum for students in need in the other avenue. Right? So the the way that I get paid really it there's three categories for that, and that's the do it yourself, the done with you, and the done for you, which Mark you mentioned. Um my targeted demographic and who I like to work with specifically, I call them VIN Henry. VIN stands for variable income. Henry stands for high earner, not rich yet. So when it comes to my coaching, I like you. to work with those that, that are making money, but they're still stressed about it and they have nothing to show for it. And it's more difficult for them to manage their finances because they have a fluctuating income. And so I work with them in my 90-day coaching program. And when I sign someone up in that capacity, that is when they sponsor the same curriculum for students ages 12 to 18 years of age. Um, But because there are a lot of people who need financial literacy, just because I'm looking for Vin Henry's doesn't mean I always attract Vin Henry's, which is why I have the do-it-yourself leg of my business, which is a plethora of free content, webinars, and courses. Done With You is meant for Vin Henry. That's my coaching and mastermind. And then Done For You is for graduates of my coaching who want me as a fractional CFO. So what does, just just out of curiosity, because I feel like I understand what your courses and what your videos um, share. And I get a sense that you would probably be doing group work for your Vin Henry's and I would imagine that there is a large population of of people in the United States of America who are Vin Henrys, mm-hmm. correct? Um, mm-hmm. 
And then in terms of the fractional CFO, once you've graduated from your sort of Vin Henry program, then what does that entail? Do you do you go into these companies and help the business owner literally make decisions around um, paying bills or are you paying bills for them through the company's resources? Like, how does that work? Or does it does it depend on what a business is looking for? So the fractional CFO work is exclusive to those who have graduated from the coaching program, and it is meant for those that are looking for a sounding board. They don't have any financial role in their business already. And so just as you said, I will review their financials on a weekly basis. I will help them with cash flow, make sure they're on track for profitability, making sure that they're hitting their revenue numbers keeping them in check with making sure that they're charging enough. Occasionally, I will make payments on their behalf. It just depends on in what capacity this business owner wants sure. me to come in. But yeah, I'm, I'm their sounding board on the business side because if the business doesn't do well, the personal side's not going to do well. Of course. And I like something that you that you just said is that they have to go through a course with you first. I mean, that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Like, because you just then can't you're on the same page. Yeah, you can't come in as a, as, right. a, as a fractional CFO without knowing anything about them. Like, let's spend a little time. Let's, let's, let's work with each other. Let's see if we're a good match or fit, right? And then mm -hmm. let's take it to the next level when we can. Exactly. And, and the coaching program itself, it's called Master Your Money. And I've structured that program so the client has three options by the time they've graduated. They can either upgrade to fractional CFO, they can go into the money and business mastermind where they get to continue working with me, but in a group setting rather than one-on-one, -on -one, okay. and they get to connect with other business owners, or they can use me and lose me. That's the third option. Okay. I've structured it in a way where they, at the end of the program, if they've done the work, they don't need me anymore. Those mm -hmm. who stick around are because they want to stick around and they want someone on a continual basis for their personal and professional finances. So once you've graduated, you have this use me as you need me model. Exactly. So, so we talk about what, what Mills does today and, and at this very moment. And this all started during the pandemic, right, Mills? Um, just it before? started just before the pandemic, yeah. okay. but I, I had lost my full-time job once COVID hit. And so I poured myself into the business even more at that point. That's, that's when I really started taking off. Got that's it, amazing. Got it, got it. Okay, so as you know, <clears throat> this is the zero hour. And I, uh, I know just from having read about you and having spent time with you that you had a pretty dramatic zero hour. And I also know that you are – a tremendously successful woman, mentor, you know, advisor to so many, and that you are super young, like you're not even 30 yet, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> so can we speak to what that zero hour was, how old you were? Um, and yeah, let's, let's, let's sure. hear your story, Mills. Sure. So I was Fall 2014, I had just started going to the University of Central Florida. UCF. It was six weeks into my freshman semester, 
and my new roommates and friends and I, we wanted to go out to dinner that evening. We wanted to be adults, you know, be cool, fun, go on campus. <laughs> Adulting <laughs> isn't all fun all the time. <laughs> right. And so um, I didn't want to be that dweeb that had to pull out her, her phone to check her bank account balance while looking at the menu at the restaurant so I could see what I could afford. Mm-hmm. So instead, I thought, you know, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to play it cool. I'm going to pull up my bank balance in the morning. So that way, that evening when we go to dinner, I know if I'm getting a $10 meal, $15 meal, $20 meal, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, I pulled up my bank account balance shortly after waking up. And better than an alarm clock, I saw I had a dollar and 50 cents in my wow. bank account. So I wasn't having a $10 meal. I wasn't having any meal oh, yeah. that evening right. off campus. And that was my come to Jesus moment, as I call it, of, yep. okay, uh, this is not good. How did I get here? How can I make sure I don't ever get here again? But then I started asking myself some additional questions around finances, like, why don't I have savings? How much should I have in savings? What's a credit card? How do I apply for a credit card? What's a mortgage? What's escrow? How should I invest? How do you even start investing? Mm. And so I was asking myself, the spiral of questions around all of the, the financial topics I had been introduced to previously, but then it dawned on me, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. I was certain there was a ton of financial information and questions I was not asking myself simply because I had never been exposed to it. And so at that point, I, I felt completely overwhelmed. And like many others, I swept that feeling under the rug for a few months and uh, after I had kind of leveled out my emotions a bit, I decided, you know what? I'm in college. I don't know what I want to do, but I know that regardless of, of what I do post-graduation, yep. I'm going to be making money and I'm going to have to manage that money. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to change my major to finance. I what was your finance, major originally? Management, okay. which was really my nice way of saying undecided, Christine. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't really set in stone. Um but I, I took the most difficult electives UCF offered, and I paired those electives with off-campus internships so I could really have this holistic perspective of money. And so by the time I graduated, not only did I have a solid understanding of how to manage my finances, mm-hmm. I also found my passion for educating other people on them. Hmm. So your passion is, let me talk about your why. Why do we do this? Like, if, you're, if it's just to make money, if it's just to be successful, you'll burn out. There has to be something mm-hmm. else. And your passion mm-hmm. is understanding and literacy and helping people do that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, I'm the first person to say that money isn't everything. And I know that's a little ironic coming from someone like me who's a financial coach. But there's a lot of financial gurus out there who – will either speak to a specific skill set like investing or house hacking or those who will speak to those that have fixed income. And so by me targeting those that have a a variable income, I also come at it with the approach of let's get you some balance in other areas of your life. I talk about my four F's, faith, family, fitness, finance. I love that. Yes. It, it is in that order. Yeah. And finance is last because if you don't have the first three under wraps, the financial part doesn't matter. The financial part can't fix the other three. 
Okay, so can we can we sort of talk a little bit because I, you know, I I'm a lapsed Catholic Mills and I, you know, I don't know if people who go to church regularly would consider uh me to be a woman of faith, right? That being said, I do think that I I have I I possess faith and that I I have a very like spiritual aspect of myself that I'm constantly working to develop. She's literally can charging you, her crystals as yes. we speak. Okay. So can we speak to faith and what that means to you and 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 what it means to listeners who might not necessarily identify with faith, especially considering that seems to be the first pillar for you? Sure. So for me personally, um, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I, I always say that I have a relationship with him rather than following a religion. Okay. And for me, faith is believing that there, there is this greater power than me, God, and he has my best interest at heart, and he's in control of everything. And so one of the mantras that I live my life by is, you know, if something doesn't go the way I planned or the way that I hoped— it's always making space for something better. And I truly believe that because I know that God has my best interest at heart. And okay. I know that all of my success, financial relationships, doesn't matter, whatever it is, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with his plan for my life. I just get to go along for the ride. Okay. Okay. So, so how does that translate for your clientele that does not necessarily believe in 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 God or um so for me I I I it resonates with me I I got shingles um a couple of weeks ago just after going mm. through a move and mm. um a, a dear friend of mine sent me a text and she was like wow Christine no regular flu or common cold for you. You need shingles to wake you up and let you relax a bit and take it easy, right? And I, wow. and I, I remember responding, going, you know, you know, Rachel, thank you. You're absolutely right, and I do believe that that was like the universe's like hello, right? So, so perhaps God, it you know, as a word, is sort of substituted by faith in the universe or faith in whatever higher power, right, um, for me. And do you ever come across people who, like, call you out on the first F of your four Fs that are the foundation, that provide the foundation for your belief in financial freedom and success? No, because I I believe that I should lead by example as yep. best as I can. And I'm, I'm not I'm not perfect by any means, um, pretty damn but close. I'm not one to I'm not one to shove anything down sure. anyone's throat. Okay, I would love for you know someone to you know have Jesus in their life because I think he's absolutely phenomenal. But the extent that I'll talk with talk about my faith with a client is praying for them, especially going through money mindset and difficult financial times, there are a lot of emotions that come up. Yes. And so very often I'll ask my clients if, if the opportunity presents itself, do you mind if I just pray for you right now? And wow. most of the time they say yes. And it opens this door for them to ask me any questions about my faith, but I'm not sitting there 
saying you need to believe, you know, you need to believe or what you I need believe. to believe what I believe. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I like the, um, sorry, like wicked far from the, uh, mic. I like the, uh, lead by example. Yes. Right? Uh, I think that's important. I think all too often people, they do that, but it doesn't seem real, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they lead by example, but it's not like they're living the lifestyle, as it were. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it just feels different. And Mills, based off of you know some of the conversations we've had off air, is that this is exactly who you are, right? You know, given... Mm -hmm. Uh, your son, I'm looking for his name right now. Thomas. Thomas, Thomas. sorry. <laughs> giving, giving Thomas a whisk to play with. Like, you know, talking about, listen, you don't need to have, like, the newest, coolest little kid toy because you're never going to remember it. Um, Mills, we, we, we talked about uh, some of the uh, some of the ideas you were – you were, um, you, you, Discussing like root causes, right? And we were discussing uh -huh. band-aids versus antiseptics, right? Yeah. Is yeah. is most of again, generalistic question, is most of the world um you know, on a uh, on a band-aid, right? Like and, yeah, 100%. yeah, and like do the people you're the people you're you're talking to the common thread is all right, you're a Vin Henry, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You are making enough money, but you don't know what to do with it. Like, or is each person nuanced, right? Is each person different? I mean, I imagine there, there, there's a common They're thread. They're common threads, yeah. But, mm -hmm. like, how do you talk to someone who is, you know, making too much money? Or and spend or not making spending more than they make, and how do you and what's the what's the talk track with a millionaire who is you know needs to learn how to invest and can you have those conversations like back to back without skipping a beat or does it take some like mental preparation for you to like get back into this person's problem or or, or issue with, with financial literacy to properly coach? So I I only ever work with. Six coaching clients at a time. Wow. Because of the emotional amount that it takes from me, because I do care a lot about my clients. And so to answer your question, yes, most people are living in wanting a Band-Aid. A lot of people think, well, if I just hire Mills, she'll perform miracles and then everything will be great. That's not the case. And so when I bring someone on and I'm onboarding them through the coaching program, I ask them, are you willing to put in the work? Do you understand that I'm going to be giving you homework and you need to commit at least one to two hours a week for these 12 weeks? And if they say no, I don't care if they want to pay me double. I'm not letting them sign up because it's not going to be worth their investment. They're not going to get the returns that they need. And so if there's someone who's spending more than they're making and they have signed up with me, that's a very easy conversation to have, Mark, because numbers speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I can show them the data, mm -hmm. let them come to the conclusion, and then I talk with them about how to create the solutions. So change is scary and change is hard, right? And change is scary, like, and, and seeing things that make us uncomfortable is very hard. I imagine that mm -hmm. your work is not easy, 
right? In that you often have to show people who think that they're going to pay you your fee and you're going to get them out of trouble. You you have to show them things that they don't want to see about changes that they need to make that they may not want to make. How do you how do you get there? Like, you know, I, I think about myself like I would be a prime candidate for your Vin Henry program. And I'm like, how the heck would I be able to afford yet another expense? Or am I ready to see how how much I am, you know, like what a, what a mess I actually mm-hmm. am, even though I know mm-hmm. it inside, right? For, and, and I would imagine a lot of people um, are Expo- very much in exposure. the same boat. Yeah, exposure is scary. Yeah, exposure is yeah. really, yeah. really scary. I think here's the really cool part, um, and, I, and I don't talk about this aspect of, of who I am often, but my social media manager has been pushing me to. Um, I am one of the most approachable people. I know you are. When it comes that to doesn't make it less money. scary. <laughs> but I'm also non-judgmental. And I never realized it until she actually brought it up because she used to be one of my clients before I hired her to work with me. Uh-huh. And she told me even just a few weeks ago, she goes, yeah, I remember one of our first sessions, I told you about one of the financial mistakes I made or how much I needed to make in terms of income each month. And I was nowhere near that number. And your response was, okay. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't really realize it, but in my, in my eyes, there's no problem that's unfixable when it comes to finances. Okay. There's always a solution. And me making you feel guilty or me not stopping you from making you feel guilty is not productive. Right. It's it's not. And so I'm okay with, with just sharing the information. I let my clients cry and very often they do. Mm -hmm. That's where the prayer comes in. Mm -hmm. And then we look at the situation and we say, all right, well, this is where you are and this is where you want to be. Here's the really cool part. You don't have to go from, where you are to where you want to be by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We get to create baby steps. And so by when do you want to get to where you want to be? Within a year, within two years, awesome. I now work backwards and I create the game plan for you to slowly implement month over month, week over week to get there slowly but surely. Wow. A lot of people feel like they, they have to be perfect and they have to be perfect right away. That's not realistic, especially when it comes to finances. And, and, and Mills, as, as part of that building that plan and that process, do you, do you illustrate that for them on like a spreadsheet or, or, or in like a forecast report? Mm-hmm. Like this, is, this mm-hmm. is what we talked about and this is where I'm going to get you and these are the steps you need to follow, right? Yeah, absolutely. So my whole coaching program is based off of a giant Excel sheet that we create together so all of the numbers are linked. By the end of the program, I give them a PDF that has phase one, step one, two, three, four, phase two, step one, two, three, four, whatever it mm-hmm. looks like pertaining to them. Yeah. Um, and then all they do is log into their Excel sheet. They type in a couple numbers within some of the highlighted cells. It spits out the data. They follow the process, and that's it. That's cool. Wow. That's cool. That's really cool. It's really easy. It sounds like it's really mm-hmm. easy. It's, it's that leap mm-hmm. of faith they need to take, right? So, like, trust has got to play yeah. 
a pivotal role in even having an initial conversation with you, right? Your mm-hmm. mill, you know, your mills bills, right? Mills knows bills. <laughs> mills bender. Like, who, who who is she? And like, what what is what is that process like to get someone to have faith in you, right? To trust you. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you have so much so, content out there, though. Do people usually take a class of yours before they they actually meet with you, or? Yes. So okay. I would say I would say ninety five percent of my clients either are referrals from yep. networking or past clients, or they have taken any of my previous webinars, yep. mini courses, things like that. So the other five percent is really just me wrapping my merch around town, striking mm-hmm. up conversations. People get to know me. They see me time mm-hmm. and time again. Yeah. You know, strike up a conversation. But it does take trust. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't just let anyone sign up for the coaching program. And so what I do, regardless of where someone is in their finances, regardless if they're Ben Henry or not, is they schedule a 15 to 20 minute consultation. Complimentary. I talk with them on the phone. I ask them a series of questions. Mm-hmm. Through that, I get to know a little bit more about them, but they also, we build rapport with each other. And by the end, it's easy for me to to see which program would be best for that person, dependent upon their goals and their budget. Okay. And, you know, Christine, you said earlier, you know, how would I be able to afford yet another expense? This isn't a cost. However someone works with me, it's not a cost. It is an investment. Because yeah. every single person who's gone through the program and has done the work has, has doubled yeah. that investment it, it, very easily. And it's something that stays with you forever. So that's one of the other things I talk about with them, too, on the phone is, okay, well, how much money do you make? How much debt do you have? What are your goals? What's your learning style? How much accountability do you need? All right. Based off those responses, I think this program or this program would be best for you. Which do you think? Okay. Okay. Mills, I'm going to shift gears just for a little bit because all of this information is amazing. But I also want to sort of focus on, is there, like, I I wish, so when we partnered um, when we had mm-hmm. had Mills Knows Bills partner with College Access Project, one of the one of the things for me was my why behind the partnership was was deeply personal. I was like, wow, had I had this kind of training as mm-hmm. a high school student going into college, I feel like I would have had even if I had never majored in business or taken a business course, I feel like I would have had a clear sense of life skills that are so essential and necessary, especially as you navigate the world, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted that for all of the students who came through my program, right? So that was my why. When mm-hmm. you think about this program that you built for 12 to, you know, for, for students as mm-hmm. young as 12 and and as, as old as 18 or 12 and beyond, when you like, is that the ideal age? Should should students, you know, should should we as as families be and as parents be thinking about a course like this really, really early on? Is is it possible to teach even younger? It is possible to teach even younger. The reason why I have the age range as I do is because any any students younger, eleven or younger don't necessarily understand the content 
as I've structured it. Right. But the cool part is what I do have is anyone 12 years old or older can understand. The That's amazing. It's amazing. And so it doesn't, I don't speak to the 45 year old any differently than I speak to the 12 year old. Really? Really? Because if I were to sit here and say, Mark, the opportunity cost of capital, you're going to zone out so freaking hard. I'm yes. sorry, say something? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 I'm not going to say that. But if I say, okay, well, by foregoing this decision mm-hmm. and choosing this one instead, you know that you're giving up whatever it is over here. But is what you're choosing still better than what you're giving up? So right. it's, it's, it's everyday speak. Right. Yes. It's yes. not CFO speak unless you're talking to no. someone who wants that, but it's everyday Correct. speak that people understand and is relatable. Yes. Got exactly. It. Okay. Exactly. Like it's funny when I don't understand something, right? I'll I'll ask the person, explain it to me like I'm six. Right. Right. And that yes. helps me. Or I'll go to YouTube and look at a video. Like whatever. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Most of the most of the barrier to entry when it comes to financial learning is people feeling like they're not smart enough to understand the jargon. But if we take the jargon out of it, that ability for success skyrockets. What, Mills, what was that like? Is that a Millsism? Like, is that your thing? Did you learn that someplace? Did you hear it, or did you just say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take out the jargon and explain to people at the same. Age, 45 or 12, you get the same explanation. Like, is that, is, that new, is that a new thing that people are doing or should know about? You know, I don't know if it's necessarily a new thing. I feel like when I was 18 and I had my zero-hour moment, I did not think I was smart enough to Got study it. finance. I did not think I was smart enough to manage my own finances. And as I started learning all of these different things. I remember I was maybe a year out from graduation and I was taking a specific course and the course talked about escrow. Mm -hmm. All escrow is, is a, is a savings account that earns 0% that a third party holds the money that's in that account. That's it. I thought it was a food or an Italian delicacy. That would be escrow. (laughs) (laughs) But but why? Why are we making things so complicated? Right. And as soon as I read that, I remember I'm sitting in my apartment and I'm saying, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. And my college roommate is saying, what makes sense? I explain it to her. She goes, wow, I feel like I would understand finances so much more if there weren't these stupid terms around it. Yep. If it was just broken and as down. I, exactly. And as, I, as I've created Mills Nose Bills and as I've been coaching people – same thing. We we all have this underlying feeling, but not many can put words to it. But it really boils down to, I don't feel like I'm smart enough and I don't know where to start because it's all so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Mills, do you have a favorite quote that you would share? Mm-hmm. So I have a quote that I like. Yes. Um, it's though she be but little, she is fierce. Ooh. And so even though sometimes I, I feel very small, mm-hmm. I remember I'm fierce. I love that. Ooh. I love that. 
As a mom, and knowing that we have a lot of parents and a lot of young people who are going to be listening, what what advice can you uh, can you give to us as parents who are often trying to keep up with the Joneses, um, especially as our kiddos get older? And certainly to the young people. And I, I, I think about, I honestly think about, you know, kids who are looking at colleges that cost upwards of, you know, 65, 75, and this year as much as 86 or $87,000 a year, right? All in. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give to, to all of us who seem to feel the need to be keeping up or, imagining uh, a life that is far beyond our means with many, many potential years of debt for our children as they think about the college process? Mm. Uh, In general, I would say the short-term satisfaction of keeping up with the Joneses is not worth the long-term financial stress you're going to have. That's tremendous advice. for the, for the parents out there who feel like they need to do everything and then some for their kiddos, your kids already think you're phenomenal. You're already their favorite person. You don't need to go out of your way to buy them every single toy on the market. Mm-hmm. As for the, the students that are starting to look at colleges, look at universities that are going to give you the education you need to get the degree that you need to get the job that you desire. But if you're in a situation where you're looking at getting student loans, make sure that your proposed salary for that role is going to cover those student loans. Yes. Again, short-term satisfaction does not does not outweigh the long-term financial stress. Thank you. That's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Amazing. When I think of uh, student loans, I think of some friends who late later in life are still yes paying their student mm-hmm. loans right law school mm-hmm. and you know b school yeah all of it yeah crazy we could have a whole podcast on yes yeah. <laughs> well perhaps we will have to do that you may have to be our boomerang guest sounds good to me because i actually had a, a whole conversation with someone about that this morning <laughs> oh my goodness yes absolutely We'll have to do that. So I, I have a question. Uh, what is what mm-hmm. is next on the docket for Mills Knows Bills? Is, so Mills has some really interesting models. And if you're an entrepreneur, like listen to this podcast and have a pen and paper in hand because some of the stuff she talks about is awesome. Um, Mills, I'm, I'm curious, does this business branch off into – Something similar, uh, real estate or, I don't know, something else that is in your wheelhouse? Sure. So um, in a previous life, I was actually a mortgage processor. Mm -hmm. And so that lending side of my experience paired with the financial management side of what I do now, it allows me to bridge gaps that a lot of people aren't able to bridge. Mm -hmm. And so... Actually, just this morning and last month, a mortgage lender and I partnered up and we did what's called money and mimosas. So Mm. he provides the mimosas, I provide the money conversation, Mm -hmm. and we educate a room full of buyers or um, those who just closed on a home. And we talk about 
how to marry your mortgage to your budget, essentially, how to make sure you can afford the home and all that. So we're in process. We actually have um, August, September, and October already fully booked out. We're talking about getting this into a local hospital with over 25,000 employees, and we're in process of creating it into a mini course so we can send it out nationwide as well. So that's that's our part of creating wealth in terms of a real estate side. Mills, this this um, this entrepreneurial side of you is it? Uh, is your we never talked about it, but is your family are they entrepreneurs? Like, are you the anomaly of the family? Like, where, where does where does this come from? I'm not the I'm not the anomaly. Um, my dad is a business owner and entrepreneur at heart, mm-hmm. but I actually never thought I was going to start my own business. In fact, I fought it tooth and nail. Wow. Yeah. No looking back now. You're changing lives, Mills. And Mm, I guess guess to go back to Mark's question about what's next, what's next is you continue to do the work that you do educating individuals, business owners, and groups about financial literacy and potentially just develop – more areas of specialty, doing what you do and doing what you love? Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always room for growth. And I sure. think one thing I would love to see happen over the next few years, I'd probably say three to five years, is the ability for me to get my financial literacy curriculum, the, the one that you're yes. familiar with, Christine, honing in on that a little bit more and really building it out into something that can be integrated into the public and private school system. Mm. So that's that's my pie in the sky goal. That is amazing. But that's a whole other industry that I'm, you know, I'm still learning and I get to figure out. That's cool. That's really Excellent. cool. Mills, thank you so, so much for your time. I know you've got one who needs to go down for a nap and that you were hoping <laughs> to do so alongside him. <laughs> so everyone. Oh, yes. oh I'm He's sorry. calling my name. Is he? Is he? Yeah, literally. Mama. <laughs> All right, y'all. That was Mills Knows Bills, right? Great branding, by the way. Check her out on your socials. She's all over the place. She's financially wonderful, right? A wizard. A wizard, as it were. Mills, thank you for joining the Zero Hour Podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. You You too. too. Take care. Take care. Bye.